Welcome to a court of fairies and fangirls. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And this is a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast where we are obsessed with her books and can't stop thinking about them or talking about them. So we figured why not record us thinking and talking about it. We're going to break down chapters, go through each book separately, go into character analysis and any thoughts or kind of theories that we have about books, characters, plots, etc. And maybe play some fun games along the way. Exactly. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back for another season. Another season. This is a mini season, but it is still season four. Yes. And Along with it being a mini season, there'll probably be almost mini episodes because... There's not a whole lot... I mean, there's stuff. There's stuff. But they probably won't be hour-long episodes like you're used to. Yeah, so, like, it's a... I wanted to say, like, seasonella. Like, combined Oh, I love that! But it also sounds like salmonella. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how much that will stick, but it's a... We'll we'll try it. It's a seasonella. (laughs) I'm trying. You know I'm a sucker for a pun. I love that. Um, but yeah, so the fun thing about this book that I, I do love that differentiates it from the others, other than it being a novella, mm-hmm. is that we get so many different perspectives. Yes. And it's like already so fun. These first few chapters. I know. Really enjoyed that. The fact that we get Cassian's point of view, because we've had Farrah, yeah. obviously, this whole time. Yes. We've gotten like two Reese chapters, I think, yeah, in the I past so. like three books. And so to get Cassie, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so yeah. exciting. And then it's like, I'm just like casually flipping through this book and there's just like, it's everybody. I know. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be so fun. I'm excited. Um, but this week we're doing chapters one through four. Did we mention that this is A Court of Frost and Starlight? I don't know if we did. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to A Court of Frost and Starlight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so This is um, season four for us. Yeah. Which is amazing. How did that happen? I know. It's flying by. We just by. keep going. You know... We haven't even been doing this a year yet. Really? Yes. Yeah, what we started. Our one year anniversary is coming up in July. Well, happy almost anniversary. I know, (laughs) but like, we're just like flying through. We're moving. I know. This is for you listeners. We know. (laughs) You want to keep going. We want to keep going. Yeah. Can't stop, can't can't stop, won't stop talking about these books, (laughs) you know? Um, But anywho, yes. A Court of Frost and Starlight. Chapters one through four. Yep. And we're calling this episode Life in Valaris. Hmm. What were your first thoughts before we dive in? Any overall impressions? The I like how SJM writes this book. Yeah. So aside from like the point of views thing, like I know whenever you are in like a multi-series book, a lot of times the further along in books you get, I feel like authors try to recap Mm. almost everything that's happened and a lot of times it just seems I don't like how they do it yeah um but I liked how SJM did it in this book where it's like Farrah's you know I don't know like walking around and she sees snow and the snow reminds her of something else and it like triggers that thought yeah so like and I know there was one instance where it's like she's putting on her clothes to go out for the day and it's like putting those on she thinks back to like when she was in the spring court and wearing like the dresses that like kind of caged her in and so I like that we get references to everything in the past, yeah. but it's not... It's almost like... It's well done. It was in connection to their PTSD, which is right. very common after war. Right. Like, people don't just, like, bounce back from war. Right. <laughs> so it makes sense to, like, leverage the PTSD that they mm-hmm. all will have yeah. to give us those, like, reminders and flashbacks and mm-hmm. connections. So I agree. I think she did it really well, too. Yeah. 
No. All right. Anything high level for you? No. I okay. Again, I just, I really love the different perspectives. Yeah. So, chapter one. Mm-hmm. Um, summary is um, simple. A morning with Feyre full of ponderings and PTSD. Hmm. What do you notice? So, yeah, Vera's just back in Valaris, and it kind of seems like everything's a reminder. Yeah. Some of all the PTSD. Yeah. So. Um, first page, mm-hmm. I totally, it, like, first page, first sentence. I read, the first snow of winter had begun whipping through Valaris an hour earlier. The ground had finally frozen solid last week, and by the time I'd finished devouring my breakfast of toast and bacon, washed down with a heady cup of water, the pale cobblestones were dusted with fine white powder. I don't know why, but immediately I was like, this feels like the first moment of the first book. Like, we're, we're already going back to, <laughs> yes. like, it's winter, it's hard, it's that. And then at, like, the bottom of the page, mm-hmm. she was, she she made the same reference I did. So if I, I, like, put in a sticky note at the top of the page, and then at the bottom I was like, oh, well, okay, great, confirmed. Yeah. That, was, that was what we were trying to do there, is allude back. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> Uh, but it's crazy. So she's reflecting that it was she was human two years ago. Like again, our time, the times, the time references in this book. It like blows my mind yeah. how quickly everything's happened. Because literally on the next page, she also was saying that the last winter solstice, right, which was a year ago, was when she was in the spring court when she was like sick basically, mm-hmm. and when Reese was kind of like that was when Reese called his bargain. Yeah. Like, I know. How was that only a year ago? It's crazy. Two years, one year time. I really want to know if SJM, I mean, I know she cares about these details, but I'm like, have you really thought about the timeline here? <laughs> have you really thought about it? I know she has, but really, have you? Oh, man. It just feels, I think you and I are slower moving people. Mm-hmm. So we're both just like, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Two years? What? All this has happened? Oh, anywho. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but I like when she's reflecting. She's like, a long, brutal winter that had made me desperate enough to kill a wolf that had eventually led me here to this life, this happiness. Mm, I know. She's so happy now. Well, and that's, like, the interesting thing about, like, looking back is because mm-hmm. you can see where it led you. Yeah. And you can't do that in the moment. No. So that's that's one of the sweet things of being able to look back, even if it's on hard things. Yep. Um, but so she wakes, Reese is nowhere to be found, not really answering down the bond right now. So she just goes about her breakfast, more pondering. Let's see. Anything in specific that um, you noticed? So Reese has basically been traveling these past few months yeah. to visit their allies to try to like solidify the relationships and the trade and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Farrah kind of just gives us like a mental picture of what it's been like for her since she lost Reese. Um, mm. How she like sometimes will go quiet. Sometimes she'll hold his hand just to remind herself that he's there. Yeah. Um, she's just trying to stay busy so she doesn't get swallowed up in the thoughts about what happened that day fighting at Highburn. Yeah. Which, like, I understand, like... It's, it's a coping mechanism. hmm And I think that's why this holiday mm-hmm. has the excitement and the pressure, if you will, that it does to make it about family and make it about them all being here because they had... They didn't know that they were going to live and survive. I so know. it's like, you know, the holiday for them is just really about family. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just, I really liked Nuala. She said, it's a time of rest too and a time to reflect on the darkness, how it lets the light shine. I know, and I like I that. I just, it was a really sweet notion of like everything they've been through and mm-hmm. this is a moment to see the light yeah. out of that. 
And also, I don't know if Nuala's really ever said anything before. That's true. <laughs> I wonder how many lines Nuala and Kara Twin have had in this series. Maybe like two. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, so Solstice is approaching, which is the longest night of the year, and it's Farrah's birthday. Yes. So that's exciting. Which um, they all know now because she kept that secret last mm-hmm. year. Um, and Farrah is kind of just trying to figure out like what she wants to buy for everybody, which, um, is the hardest part of it's holidays. It's so hard, but it, I it's like fun. It, it's fun, especially cause this is her first time really giving gifts to yeah. all these people. Like I can't imagine, I know we talk about it like a little bit later in the yeah. book, but it's like, how, what do you buy somebody that you bought gifts for them for 500 years? Yeah. Like how, how, do, how you, do you keep doing that? How do you find new gifts? So it's like for the first year, I feel like it's so exciting yeah. to really, you know, find a good gift for everybody. So yeah. I feel like at that point, I would be like, we're done giving gifts to each other. I know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, everything's kind of reminding Farah of her past. Um, Like, seeing her ring, it makes her think of the weaver and how, like, the weaver died in Highburn and then her clothes, like, makes her think of her old spring court gowns and just, like, all these little reminders. And like you said, it's like the PTSD and it's kind of, like, triggering these thoughts. She's also talking about how the townhouse is feeling, like, really cramped. Mm-hmm. And it just made me laugh because, you know, I'm in, like, a home edit kick of my house. And yeah. I'm like, even the Fae need to <laughs> home edit a little bit. Let's, let's, go, how many of these weapons do we really need? Right. Let's put everything in containers. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they need a cleansing experience. But I yeah. think it's interesting how, like, um, psychologists will talk about, like, the outward manifestation of like what's going on inside and so it's like when you're feeling really chaotic or depressed like Mm -hmm. what's going on around you kind of manifests that so yeah it's interesting to think of this is what's happening to their you know Mm -hmm. surrounding in their home yeah so what's happening in their mind how is that reflecting Mm -hmm. clearly they're also dealing with chaos and overwhelm right anywho um this it also like reminds me i think of like the burrow from harry potter yeah and how it's just like everybody in there like all crammed yeah. in and like it's like it's like a very positive image but it's yeah. like funny and like, i love that i'm one of those people who i'm like the more the merrier yeah. like i loved living with people in college like mm-hmm. i just let's my dream mm-hmm. because all of us are gonna outlive our husbands of course I want, unfortunately it is sad, but hope, hopefully they die when they're like 90 plus, right. but we're still going to outlive them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I imagine us all like buying a house and they're just being like <laughs> seven of us just Jay chilling in this house together as old ladies. Like that so is, fun. that is my dream. Like yeah. I love those vibes so much. I have no problem like home sharing with people. Like, yeah. no, I, the more the merrier in a home. I love that. Cause it, it's, it gives you those like warm yeah. familial, like burrow feels mm-hmm. like, ugh. Love it so much. Um, but one person who's not staying there but is in town is Lucian. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ugh, doesn't seem like he's having the best time, but no. he's making the best of it. It made me so sad because, like, Fair is kind of explaining the townhouse situation. So, like, Elaine lives there with them. Yes. Nesta apparently lives in, in an apartment across the city. Whatever. Whatevs. Lucian came back to Polaris and has an apartment, but he only came back after he went to the spring court where he came back with a black eye and cut lip and hasn't talked to Farah about it. And I'm just like, oh, poor guy. Poor, poor guy. I also wonder though, if, if it's like a male thing where it's like, they got to fight it out and then they're good. Like are him and Tamlin good now? I don't know. I don't know. Some people, that's all you need to do. They just need to like punch it out and then they're fine. Yeah. Feels like a guy thing. That would be nice. I hope so. <laughs> but 
Um, um, so he, he's been keeping busy and he's kind of been around, but I think he's still looking for that purpose. Yeah. Um, and then more as and Cass will sometimes stay over there too at the townhouse. Yeah. So I get the whole cramp thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of people. Although I still imagine this to be like a very big townhouse. Like I know you and I live in town, but we live yeah. in like little townhouses. So yeah. I'm thinking about some of those townhouses down the street. Mm-hmm. That look massive, huge. They're like the like, size of houses. Exactly. I'm like, is it that cramped? I know. But anywho. Um, and then let's see. So Farah's kind of been spending a lot of her time volunteering with different organizations yeah. in Dolores, which I like. Um, it's totally on par for her personality. Mm-hmm. And they've been helping like rebuild and helping the people kind of like rebuild. Um, and she said, all of it was vital. All of it was good, satisfying work. And mm-hmm. yet there was more. There was more that I could do to help personally. I just hadn't figured it out yet. And I like that. It's like she's still helping, even though it's not like as fulfilling maybe yeah. as she wants it to be. But she's still like trying to do her part in all of it while she figures stuff out which is like a good reminder it's like even when you're like trying to find your passions it's like you can't just not do anything yeah you have you can't just take all the time off you have to still like try to occupy yourself to figure that out yeah so I like that I like that too it also reminds me to like the beginning of Mist and Fury in like a post Amarantha world and mm-hmm. how she wanted so desperately to like help the people of the Spring oh, Court. Yeah. But it just like she wasn't allowed to basically. She wasn't allowed to and like Tamlin was still being like really intense about the tithe. Mm-hmm. Like all of that. There mm-hmm. was just this you know, you could see this desire for her to be this kind of leader. So right. it's really amazing that she it's not amazing that they're in this situation. Right. But she is able to now do the things and mm-hmm. be the leader that she wanted to for yeah. her court. So I like seeing that fulfilled in her. Yeah, I do too. Um, okay. Um and we finally hear from Reese. He's at Devlin's camp, so he's out with the Illyrians and Cassian. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just says that he'll check back soon. Yeah. And that's where we leave off. Mm-hmm. Chapter two, which we learned really soon mm-hmm. what's going on with him because it's now Reese's perspective. Yay. Um, so Reese and Cassian deal with some business at the Illyrian war camps. What'd you notice? Yeah. So they're the war camps and it just seems like Illyrians are still stuck even after this war with not respecting women or like Cassian for that matter which yeah. is really I'm like he was the most epic leader I know do we not remember him on the battlefield and like everybody was like respecting him like yeah. in those little battles leading up to the final one but now it's like all that's gone out the window yeah. um which is like so annoying yeah um, it's really obnoxious but then like the bromance at the end of this chapter bro oh, melt my heart I love them so much yes these the bad boys I just I will never. This book for the Bat Boys is like their best. It really is. Like, this is where their like friendship shines. Yes. Oh, I love it. Um, okay, so I made the same note of just like <clears throat> war changes much, but mm-hmm. not everything. Yeah. Because they're back to fighting with Devlin about how much time the women can practice. Yes. And it's like this we're literally having the same argument Mm -hmm. the same argument i know but it's because from his perspective it's solstice there's a lot to do to prepare and so they're busy Mm -hmm. yeah right i roll yeah reese things like traditions going back thousands of years left mostly unchallenged until us until now yes epic um what an attitude i love it yeah and just like a little random the illyrian camp's called windhaven Oh, yeah. So, just a little FYI. 
Um, let's see. What else? So, Devlin is kind of implying that, like, he says, the boys need a nice solstice after all they endured. Let the girls give one to them. And I'm just kind of like, and and they say this as well, but it's like, it's not just the boys who suffered. I know. I Yeah. I, I liked what they said, though. He said, do not forget that a great number of females, Devlin, also suffered losses. Perhaps not a hand, but their husbands and sons and brothers were out on those battlefields. Mm-hmm. Everyone helps prepare for the holiday, and everyone gets to train. Yeah. It's like, war is not just the... It is a lot about the people who are out there fighting. Right. But it's so much more than that, and so many more people are affected by it than... Yeah. Just those people. I think people generally just tend to think of those that are physically yeah. like impacted that are out there on the front lines fighting. Yeah. But it's like it's so much more than that. It's like they couldn't be out there fighting if they didn't have somebody tending back to their kids at home and yeah. like taking care of the family at home and you know building And being the like strong pillar knowing that you might not come back. Right. And it's like the, you know, I just think about like World War II. It's like all these women were running in factories, like working factories to create this stuff for the troops over there. So it's like if you didn't have these women back home, you wouldn't have the troops over there with anything to like use. So it'd be pointless. Yeah. So war war is truly in every sense Mm -hmm. a team effort. Right. And it is everybody who is on that team. Yeah. So it's just, it's sad that Devlin is still, like, belittling their yeah. contribution. Because there were some that fought, too. Right. So it's like there were some that fought, some who held down the fort, and it's like their contributions were just as important. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't need to belittle them. Yeah. Because they're females. Um, <laughs> Reese is recounting how he gets no alone time with Farah, And that oh was my just, gosh. it was cracking me up. Um, but he stoops so low as to, like, take her while they were flying down from the house of wind i was rolling my eyes at this i was like how yeah. how did you make that happen <laughs> apparently how- he'd been planning it for a while he's so funny like i think it's hilarious that like that's he had planned to yeah like have sex with her in the air i was like that's very um that's desperation at its finest it really is <laughs> also i don't know if that would be as enjoyable like but he I don't know. Whatever. He he seems like he had a great time. Yeah. So, but it's he, funny. He's like, I had to shield the music, had to shield us, like <laughs> so that we wouldn't just be flashing all of Valaris. Yeah, that would be too much. <laughs> I understand you are high lord and lady, but like, no one wants to see that. No. Um. Anywho, but <laughs> that was a hilarious little like mental takeaway. But back in Windhaven, mm-hmm. um, there's just chaos. Yeah. In the camps. There's, like, all these different Illyrian factions that are, like, kind of stirring up trouble and spreading dissension amongst everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and Reese tells Cassian that they'll just kind of deal with it like they have in the past. But Cassian says, it's not like it was before. Before, you, me, and Az, we were resented for what we were, who we are. But this time, we sent them to battle. I sent them, Reese. And now it's not only the warrior pricks who are grumbling, but also the females. They believe you and I marched them south as revenge for our own treatment as children. They think we specifically stationed some of the males on the front lines as payback. What? Where is that coming from? Are you serious? Like, I just, that's like the most absurd thing ever. Also, no. like you're, okay, I'm sorry. You're warriors. Yes. Your job is war. You're gonna be in war, and some of you are gonna die. It sucks. How petty to think that, like, they did it for when they treated them badly as children. Get over I was like, that was, like, it. Over 500 years ago. They're doing just fine. Yeah. It's like, whenever I hear people who are like, 
oh, I'm worried so-and-so is talking about me. And I'm like, is that just because you talk about other people and yeah. that's why? You... So for these people, I'm like, are you that petty? Like, do you hold a grudge that intense? And that's why you assume they are? Like, it's get over ri- it. Ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Ugh. Big old eye roll. Mm-hmm. But like, and that's, but it's one of those things too where it's like, when we think back to like Highburn, mm-hmm. like that's how Highburn stirred so many people. He was just like, yeah. like, they're trying to get you. They took what was yours. Mm-hmm. And it's you, like you know, spread those little gossip rumors and yes, it like evolves. It becomes like a whole life of its own. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something to be concerned about. Yeah. It's uh, unfortunate timing though with Solstice. It's it like, this really is. a happy time. Why are we fighting? <laughs> this is supposed to be peace. Yes. Um, and let's see. So I, I don't really know how this gets brought up exactly, but Basically, we find out that, like, Nesta is not speaking to Cassian. Yeah. I was like, wait, 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 wait. After everything that Nesta did for Cassian, yeah. she's not speaking to him? Like, it was just a quick little comment, because I know we get into it a little bit later in the chapter. Yeah. It but, said, Cassian and my mate's sister did not speak to each other at all. Nesta had successfully cloistered herself in those slummy apartments across the Sidra, refusing to interact with any of us, save for a few brief visits with Feyre every month. What? Like, What? What? Okay. What about this epic, the epic love? Uh, yeah, Nesta, you like threw yourself on top of Cassian and it's like epic. S- we're defending him, and you screamed his name. Like you how, love him. How are you not talking to him, Nesta? You love him. Talk to him. I don't understand. Um, obviously, we're gonna get more information on well, that. Well, and part of me is like, did something happen between them? Like, it is hasn't it been just that long. Her? I don't know. I don't know, but I hate it. Yeah. Um, but so they're talking about solstice and Reese is essentially like Cassian you can deal with this right now but you need to be home by this day we're doing solstice together Mm -hmm. we're a family this is what we're doing Um, and it gets brought up of (laughs) is Nesta going to be there Mm -hmm. and um, Cassian says Nesta will make things unpleasant if she decides she doesn't want to be there and Reese says she'll be there and she'll be pleasant she owes favor that much and Cassian asks how is she and he goes, Nesta is Nesta. She does what she wants, even if it kills her sister. I've offered her job after job, and she refuses them all. Perhaps you could talk some sense into her over solstice. And I'm just like, oh, and then Cassian says, it'd likely end in violence. And it's like, what? What happened? What ha- Why is Nesta not do, like, Nesta with a purpose was, like, ready. Yes. Like, she was motive. What? Where is this coming from? Like, you should be happy now. Why aren't you working? Why are you fighting with Cat? Like what? You're in like a slummy part of town. Like what, what are you doing? What's going on with you? I don't know. I don't know either. But I don't like it. I know. I felt like we were really connecting with Nesta at the end we of were. that. We were. We were both very pro Nesta. So it's like it feels like we just did like a hard backslide. But to our point earlier, mm-hmm. you don't just bounce back from war. No. So. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's some PTSD happening here. Yes. That is contributing. Yes. Um, Cassian, um, they're, like, kind of talking about, like, the rumors still. Um, and Reese is asking about, like, is Devlin the one that's spreading them? And mm-hmm. Cassian's like, no, I, like, I don't think so. Which, like, is good because. He's just a dick. He's, yeah. <laughs> you can just be a dick but not, like, a traitorous dick. Yes. So. Is I'm, he being helpful? No. No. But. <laughs> He's not the worst. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So back to Reese. He's thinking that there is only going to be 21. 
21. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. What? How? Uh, How is this possible? Little baby. Only 21. <laughs> and you're like, hi, lady. You've done all these epic things. I'm like, what did I do by 21? Not much. Not that much, for sure. <laughs> I remember anytime I hear about like a kid who like, like, the Pellini guy who wrote the Aragon series when he was like 14. Yes. I, I remember like hearing, I read that book when I was a kid. And then when I was grown, I realized he was like 14. And I'm like, the flip was I doing at 14? I know. Not writing novels <laughs> like that. Like, God, these people make me feel so inadequate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but she's a sweet little baby turning 21. And, um, you know, He's getting a little broody about it, but Cassian just was so sweet. Oh, the best. He says, I get jealous sometimes. I'd never begrudge you for your happiness, but what you two have, Reese, it's the legends, the lies they spin us when we're children about the glory and wonder of the mating bond. I thought it was all bullshit, and then you two came along. Oh, stop. So sweet. Hashtag goals. <sighs> but, like, it's really sad. Reese's response. He he basically thinks that, like, the universe is making a joke of it. He says, I get this feeling that it's all some sort of joke, some sort of cosmic trick, and that no one, no one can be this happy and not pay for it. Cassian responds, you've already paid for it, Reese, both of you, and then some. Mm-hmm. He goes and hugs Reese and says, you made it. We made it. You both endured enough that no one would blame you if you danced off into the sunset like Miriam and Dracon and never bothered with anything else again. But you are bothering. You're both still working to make this peace last. Peace, Reese. We have peace. And the true kind. Enjoy it. Enjoy each other. You paid the debt before it was ever a debt. Cassie, and you're the best friend. He is such a good bro. That's like, it's just amazing. And just, first off, it makes me mad that Miriam and Draken still just like go back. <laughs> we're, we're still Miriam and Draken haters. Yeah, not liking them. I'm like, <laughs> you just went back to your island as if nothing. And like everybody else is like trying to rebuild, trying to form peace. Yeah. And you just like go back to hiding. Why? If, if we're trying to like include the humans now into like yeah. the peace I talks. Mean, maybe like, they're coming back for peace talks. I don't know. You don't know. I don't like it. I mean, I, <laughs> I still don't like it either. But I think partly because it's like when you compare them next to Reese and Favor, who are so in it, mm-hmm. they look so selfish and yes. checked out. But like sometimes you're allowed to be selfish too. They've been selfish for the past like 500 <laughs> years that Jurian was stuck as like yeah. an eyeball and finger bone. I like, don't know why I've decided to play devil's advocate today. That's yeah. not normal for me. <laughs> I apologize. But, um,. No, I I inherently don't like it either. Yeah. Um, and then oh, and then Reese like now we're like feelsing back, right? And Reese goes, "What about you? Are you happy?" And then it says, "Shadows darkened his hazel eyes." I'm getting there. A half-hearted answer. I'd have to work on that too. Cassian, mm. sad face. <laughs> Reese, I just love his like. I gotta fix that. I gotta fix that. I love and hate. <laughs> that part of him he is such an enneagram too yeah he is such an enneagram too um but this whole this whole conversation like it's feelsy and it's some of it's sad but mm-hmm. it's just really sweet like seeing this side of their relationship because yeah. i feel like you know they fight they get in, they get dirty mm-hmm. they train all of that but it's a very deep bond that they all yeah. have and it's nice like it's really sweet to see like somebody idolize another relationship yeah. like especially like your friend like it's always just 
sweet to hear that. Yeah. Even if like you hope that people think it, it's like yeah. nice to hear it. You're like, what do, what do people think about me? I know. Do you like it? Do you have judgments? Um, and that's pretty much it, right? Yep. All right. Chapter three. Now we have Cassian's perspective. Yay. Um, so I said, Cassian takes flight over Ramiel to a far off desolate village with the hopes of clearing his mind. This just like broke my heart hearing it's about so his mom sad. and like the, this is the reason he wants like Illyrian women to be able to fight yeah. for his mom. And I just, the motivation is just really precious. It's so pure. Like I just it love is. it. Yeah. Uh, I love him. I know. So he's like, he takes his guys and I just like how he like d- goes about it. He like flexes his wings and like <laughs> stretches them out. Like just to make sure all the other Illyrians like see and know. Yep. Like, He's still the man, basically. He's like, I'm still here. Yes. Look at my big ass wings. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. So, um, so he fly. He's he takes off and he's flying, and then we reach Romeo, which is where they have their, you know, right. That's what it's called. Right? Yeah, the blood right. The blood right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where they have their blood right each year, mm-hmm. and we kind of get a bit of a picture of what that is, which I didn't realize. Have we talked about the blood right much before? I don't this? think we have. I'm, it's hard to remember sometimes where it's like when we've read this whole series, we just know that this exists. Yeah. But it's like, wait, is this the first time? We're I think this is the it? first time we hear about it. I think it might have been like mentioned mm. when. When we first went to the Illyrian camps, because it was like, they hate us, but we did it. Yeah. I think that's when it was mentioned. So, but we haven't really like heard about the blood right. We don't really know about like Romul very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of learn like a little bit about it. And basically, like Romul. It's the sacred mountain that's, like, not only the heart of Illyria, but it's the entirety of the night court. Like, yeah. it's their signia. Um, it's the three peaks. Right. With um, the stars. The stars. So it. it's, like, if you've seen those tattoos or those mm-hmm. stamps, that's what it's connected to. Yeah. And I really like how he describes Romuel as he's flying towards it. He says, Romuel had always felt alive somehow, awake and watchful. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like that. Yeah. It's something that i really enjoy about this series because we saw it i don't know why i remember this so clearly but when in the last kind of like fight against ianthe in wings and ruin how it's like the land was like helping Feyre. yeah i'm like how much of this land is like alive like you know we know we talk about in like our world like Mm -hmm. plants are alive trees are but it's like Okay, but, like, in a magic world, how much are these yeah. alive? <laughs> and, like, have thoughts and, like, yeah. do things. So it's just, like, it's interesting. Yeah. Want to know more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learn a little bit about the right. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, all novices competed with wings bound. Oh, this is, okay, Illyrians. Basically, yes. to become, like, an Illyrian warrior, you have yes. to go through the blood right. So all novices competed with wings bound, no siphons, a spell restraining all magic, and no supplies beyond the clothes on your back. The goal, make it to the summit of that mountain by the end of that week and touch the stone. The obstacle, the distance, the natural traps, and each other. Old feuds played out, new ones were born, scores were settled. The blood right, I feel like I'm like advertising for like like a, a TV show right now. <laughs> yeah, that just scores like were that. settled. Um, the blood right offered an escape valve for dangerous tensions within the Illyrian community. Better to settle it during the right than risk civil war. It's intense. Yeah, and we kind of, like, I feel like Cassian goes a little bit into about, like, his journey through yeah. it, but, like, not. Well, we found out that him, Reese, and Az all made it to the top together. Right. All, the goal is to get to the top of the mountain and to touch the stone. Yep. But most of the time, people don't get to do that. Right. There's been very few that I have think done he it. said, like, 
maybe a dozen over the last 500 years. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the three of them mm-hmm. all did it. Of course. Together. Of course. Means a lot. But they, they did that together. And Cassian was like carrying, or like Az was carrying Reese. Or Cassian <laughs> was carrying Reese up. I was like, yeah. how is Reese the one that was like the least of the three of you? I know. I was a little surprised. But. Well, because there's no magic also, oh, you true. know? It's like just bare bones. Yeah. But then also um, at one point he talked about how there's all of these like creatures out there too. So it's yeah. like they're not just battling other Illyrians mm-hmm. and the elements. There's like creatures that want to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> so good luck. Yeah. And you're out there for a week. So yeah. it's an intense thing to try and prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it says Illyrians were strong, proud, fearless, but peacemakers, they were not. <laughs> Made me laugh. Um, and let's see. Oh, there was something. Okay, so we, we talked about this stone that they try to touch at the mm-hmm. top. And something that kind of like stuck out to me. So it's um, it's just the stone at the top of this peak. And Cassian's pondering, who had put that stone atop the peak? He didn't know either. Legend said it had existed before the night court formed, before the Illyrians migrated from the Marimidon. I'm not cutting that out. Um, <laughs> before humans had even walked the earth, even with the fresh snow crusting Ramiel, none had touched the pillar of stone. What? How, How is there a stone on top of a mountain? What is the history of this land? A great Where question. is Myrmidon? <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> Where is that? What was it like before humans existed? What, what is happening? Why is this a legend? How? I just I'll, I just have so many questions yeah. about the history of this land. Also, what they, he just casually said Myrmidons. Mer, Mer, <laughs> I don't know why this word is so hard. I want you to me. keep saying it because it gets me every time. <laughs> but he says it so casually. Yeah. We've never heard that before. No. I would remember that. <laughs> what is that place? Anyway, okay. Um so then Cassian winds up going south. Like, he yes. turns after, like, looking at... Cause, oh, because you can't go to Romuald. You can only yes. go that one day of mm-hmm. the blood rite because they don't want people, like, cheating, basically, and figuring yeah. out ways to get up the mountain quicker. Which I appreciate. Yes. <laughs> so he's, like, going there, and then he turns, and he's going southward towards another mountain that really is only important to him. Mm-hmm. Come to find out it's where he was born, and it's where his mom was mm-hmm. killed, which is so sad. And he go he had gone back and basically destroyed everyone that took part in his mother's death. Went full Anakin Skywalker on him. <laughs> full Anakin Skywalker. Um, and basically nobody has ever come back to this camp since then. Yeah, it's just cinders and debris. Mm-hmm. I'm like, somebody was mad. Yeah. Probably rightly so. But like, <laughs> holy crap, just destroyed it. And, like, when he was there, like, they just refused to, like, tell him where his mom was. Like, we know that she died, but they didn't say if they buried her, where, do they just throw her off the side of the mountain? Like, just has no idea. And I think that obviously, like, fueled his anger even further into destroying it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It just, I just sentence really broke my heart. He said, and when he'd been strong and old enough to come back to look for her, she was gone. Hmm. So sad. Basically, we just find out that like Cassian's wanting to train these female Illyrians in honor of his mom, so that yeah. this would never happen to any other female again. Which is just like, ugh. yeah. He said like, so his people, whom he still loved despite their faults, might one day become something more, something better. 
And I just, I love that he's still so optimistic for yeah. these people that have like put him through misery, put his mom through misery, yeah. and he just still has hope in his people. I love that though. I know. That's just Cassian's perspective. I feel like he's always like cup half full kind of guy. He really is. So part of the reason why I think he's an Enneagram seven, but like, that's <laughs> anywho. Um, but I think, so he really just kind of went there to like remind himself, clear his mind, mm-hmm. pay homage to his mother. Yeah. And, um, at the end of, I liked the way that this like chapter ended. He said three days, he had three days until he was to go to Valaris. He'd try to make them count. You go Cass. Yay Cassian. Um, all right. Anything else? Mm-mm. Last chapter, chapter four. Uh, I said, Favor walks through the city, visiting the rainbow and shopping for the inner circle before finding out she has evening plans. Hmm. <laughs> what did you notice? We finally get the name of the like fiercely brave oh woman who defended the shop during Highburn's attack. I like, was freaking out. Resina, or is that how you say it? Resina, honestly, Resina. Resina. I don't. We'll we'll get there. We'll figure it I out. I was just so elated that like this came back. Yes, I was so 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 I happy. Did not remember this at all. No. And again, I think because we analyzed it, we were like. This person. As yes. soon as she referenced it again, I was like, Ugh. I totally forgot that we meet her in this book. Like, totally. I, I was so excited. Very. So, so, so excited. So, like, that was, like, the highlight of this chapter for me. Yeah. Oh, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we start out shopping. And I just, like, oh, to shop in Valaris for oh. a day. Have you seen those, like, shop small business and it's, like, Valaris? Yes. Like, oh, my God. Gosh, I want one. <laughs> I love it. Or it's like support small business. That's what it is. I have one of those, but it's for Diagon Alley. But oh, I, I love that. I need a Valaris one. Um, let's see. So Feyre, it's chilly. Feyre's shopping. We've mm-hmm. got good winter solstice Christmas Eve vibes. Yep. Question. At one point she says, My cheeks warmed. Heart a staccato beat. What is a staccato beat? Are you musical? Do you know? Um isn't it um i don't i'm trying to think like how to explain it like i thought it was something to do with like like it's like a set like consistent i I think i don't know i probably could have just googled this but instead i wrote now you're like putting me on the spot i'm I'm so sorry i can cut all of this out (laughs) hey i'm an idiot i'm asking the question uh, okay, so staccato means with each sound or note sharply detached or separated from others. Oh, I was right. You know. Oh my it. gosh, I know something. You are absolutely uh, you not are an keeping idiot. this in here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like a distinct. Yeah, like it's, like you hear like every heartbeat. Kind okay. Of thing. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, I'm absolutely that leaving that in. Pulled pulled that from like middle school music. <laughs> like you've had a slightly more musical education than me yes when i was in elementary school in like i'm not joking like the third grade Mm -hmm. they did a test to assess your like musical aptitude Mm -hmm. and apparently (laughs) they were like not her and so i did i never got to do anything music I did. What did I do? Well, so every kid was forced to do music in like elementary school. Like you're just, no, in, it was like we did a kid. test in third grade, and only the people who scored high enough did music in fourth and fifth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. Ours was just it was a requirement. So like you did art, <sighs> you did music, you did you I did all. I loved it. And then I played the flute in Aww. maybe like fifth grade. Yeah, I was you? terrible. I mean, you absolutely still did terrible. It. I remember we had our like annual concert, 
I don't know if I actually made any noise out of my flute because like flute's like one of those instruments that it's like you can't just blow and like noise no. comes out like you have to angle it very specifically <laughs> and I swear I was just like blowing into yeah. this flute and like nothing happened mm. that at least that I remember that in my head I'm sure it was yeah. not as bad as I thought but and then in like this middle clearly school clearly a trauma for you as a child trauma then middle school I was in choir nice yeah and then I got into select choir. I had to audition. Oh, mm-hmm. I was look good. Look at you. And that I'm, was the end of my musical career. <laughs> I'm very impressed. I did like musical theater. So mm-hmm. like that was how I like coped with the rejection. But I wanted to play a violin so bad. I, I my still heart, want to play a violin. My heart was broken. Sweet yeah. eight-year-old Alex <laughs> was like, they, I, why am I not good enough? This is when my insecurities clearly developed. Yeah. This is, I can pinpoint the exact moment. Anyway. Okay. Um, so Feyre is out shopping, and one of the things we're reflecting on is um, that her and Reese have been having, like, open audiences for the people mm-hmm. of Valaris to come to, which, again, I think comparing this to, like... The Tithe, kind the tithe, of. The mm-hmm. it's night and day. Oh, yeah, because it's like they they want everyone to come. <laughs> they listen to everything. Like, yep. Reese asks questions of everyone, and then they actually respond to every single inquiry. I mean, don't we all wish our leaders were like this? We do. We do wish that. <sighs> Alas. Uh, what else are you noticing? So we find out that Nesta is like basically living in the only slummy part of Valaris. I picture this it? like two block radius and it's the only <laughs> crappy part and Nesta chooses to live there. She's choosing to live there. Why are you choosing to live in the slum? You have Drama money. Queen. Mm, but yes. Okay. So we learned that. Yep. And then um, she's walking around the rainbow and we know that we're still in a rebuilding phase yep. after everything that happened with Highburn and she's looking at one of the areas that's a bit more um n- not fixed yet there's yeah. more rubble there it's vacated mm-hmm. and then there's a voice mm-hmm. behind her um because she's pondering like did they get out are the people who were here okay and the voice behind her almost reading her mind tells her they got out in time mm-hmm. and she turns around and it's the brave citizen yes god bless her oh Gosh, I love it so much. Feyre says, I had not forgotten her in the months since the attack. I had not forgotten the sight of her standing outside that shop door, a rusted pipe raised over one shoulder, squaring off against the gathered hybrid soldiers, ready to go down swinging for the terrified people huddled inside. And she's almost like fangirling over her a little bit. Yes. I'm like, us too. I'm clearly. totally, totally fangirling. <laughs> um, let's see. What do you notice about these interactions with her? Um, so Farrah's kind of just like asking a little bit about like the building that she's in front of. She's like, you know, like are where are these people? Like where do they go? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a building right next to them, and she's like asking about this building, and she's like, those people didn't make it out, yeah. and so it's like it's just like kind of hard because like this woman clearly is involved in yeah. this area of the town. Like she knows these people that lived here, so like that's probably hard. Yeah. Um, but the building that like the owners didn't make it out is a gallery um and it's for sale it's for sale which like the woman just like casually yeah. drops that it's for sale and like Farrah could use it as a studio um because she's heard that she's a fine artist i know i was like oh okay i love it um so yeah there's that and then she says to Farrah, she says every door is open to you you know and Farrah asks as high lady and she says, no, as one of us. Aww. The word settled in, strange and yet like a piece I had not known was missing. An offered hand I had not realized how badly I wanted to grasp. 
It makes me want to cry. That's just like the sweetest thing. Like just, it really it's is. like, no, like we don't want you because you're a high lady. We want you because you're you, because you defended the Sidra. Like you yeah. defended us and we don't forget that. Uh, and I just, I love that so much. It's so precious. And then we get her name, which I kind of, I'm feeling like Racina. That's how I want to yeah. say it. Let's go with that. So we have a name to the face now. Yay. Yay. Um, but to what you were saying, she's, she speaks to Feyre and she says, we remember it, you know, that you came for us that day. We keep a way to let you have your privacy, but don't think for one moment that there isn't a single one of us who doesn't know and remember, who isn't grateful that you came here and fought for us. So sweet. Stop. Um, and then she also, like, invites her to, like, a group painting mm-hmm. event. And Pharaoh asks, what sort of things do you paint? And Racina says, the things that need telling. And I feel like this is great therapy opportunity for her yes i so hope she takes this (gasps) me too because i you just i feel like sometimes words can't do it like you just need to paint your emotions if you're an artist yeah especially as someone who is a painter and an artist it's like that's how you express yourself yeah this can be your form of therapy Mm -hmm. so all good things what a Uh, precious interaction i know i was so happy with this yeah um, so then Vera kind of like goes on her way and We're shopping again shopping and more joins um, which I love that like small town feel of like oh hey look I found you I know like, oh, hi. and they're shopping for Amryn <laughs> mm-hmm. which just sounds like it would be fun mm-hmm. um, apparently Varian has been visiting Amryn discreetly so they're like unofficially <laughs> a thing which I'm just so happy about I love it so much um, and then they go and they find like this gorgeous necklace for Amryn mm-hmm. um and let's see what else. Um, so at one point, Feyre asks her, um, what do you want as a present? Mm-hmm. And Moore says, I've got everything I need. Which, here's the thing. I love Moore. Mm-hmm. That feels like a very unmore like sense. It's very unmore like likes things. Yes. What do you mean you have everything you need? Mm-hmm. Every, most people have everything they need. It's what do you yeah. want? Like, gifts aren't for needs. Gifts are for wants. Yeah, I just, it's like, it's suspicious mm-hmm. to me as someone who's like, here's, here's the thing. I try to be content in all things Mm -hmm. but as everyone on this podcast knows I'm also a Taurus and like I like shiny things and Mm -hmm. I like I like pretty things and like nice things yeah it's just part of my personality Mm -hmm. okay you can be both content and like nice things yes that is more more likes nice things I know it's very suspicious what do you mean you don't want any nice things anyway um and Farrah asks her what she should get like the bat boys basically um yes and then she asks more if she's bringing anyone to Mm -mm -mm. solstice um the answer's no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she kind of asks about her friendship with Vivian. Um, so apparently they've stayed friends, which is really good since, uh, like, Highburn. Yeah. And We're kind of, like, rekindling that friendship. relationship. Yeah. And she's going to go visit the Winter Court after the Valora Solstice Party. It um, sounds so much better. So much better. It's like a week-long <laughs> celebration. I was like, I want to go. There's there's bears. <laughs> there's my bears. <laughs> I read this description, and it's like dancing and drinking, feasting and gifting, roaring fires made from entire tree trunks and cauldrons full of mulled wine, the singing of a thousand minstrels flowing through their palace, answered by the bells ringing on the large sleighs pulled by those beautiful white bears. This is all I want in my life. That's the party I want to go to. Absolutely. Can every day be that? (laughs) Please. Um, So, I mean... I am totally like I'd be like more can I come with because yeah why not that's divine 
Um, let's see. And so more, more said a similar thing to you. It's like, I don't know what to get them anymore yeah. in reference to the bat boys. So more is having as much of a problem picking as Feyre is, but mm-hmm. we'll see what they all end up I know. choosing for each other in the end. Um, and then more let's, um, slide that they're actually going to the human city tonight. Yeah. And Feyre needs to get ready for it. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I was like, Oh, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. <laughs> But basically, it's, like, tradition to wish them well. I was like, okay, I mean, if it's just, like, a quick pit stop. Yes. And and I think there is kind of like, okay, well, Kier and the Darkbringers, like, they did a lot during the Battle of Hyper. A lot of them died. We definitely owe them that much. Yes. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be a peaceful attempt. Yes. But at the same time, part of the reason why we're going tonight Mm -hmm. is because As found out that Eris is going to be there tonight. And Moore wants to see for herself how cozy Eris and her father have gotten. I'm shocked that she's willingly choosing to go when Eris is there. I was like, shouldn't you want to not go today? Yeah, right? I don't know. That was my thought. It's confusing. But alas. Mm -hmm. Anything else? That's it. I'm just curious to see what happens as we go to the Court of Nightmares. We'll see. (laughs) Um, So next week we're doing chapters five through eight. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more then. Entitled TBD. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to A Court of Fairies and Fangirls, a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and let us know what you think. You can find us on Instagram at, at @fairiesandfangirls. Jump in on the conversation, and we look forward to chatting with you more next week. Bye. Bye.